Coming up, the entrepreneur Spencer Dinwiddie returns to form for Brooklyn as the Nets get themselves to 6-5 and five on the season, taking care of the Orlando Magic at home and also upping the Andy in the in-season tournament. We dive in on all the action coming up next. You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ah, yes, my friends, it is the Locked On Nets podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team, the Brooklyn Nets, every single day. Over there is Doug Norrie, owner-operator of DFSR for all your daily fantasy sports rankings from DraftKings to FanDuel. He's got you covered. I'm Adam Armbrick breaking down the New York football giants, if you can believe it, on the One Giant Podcast with my boy Andy Mack. We thank you for making us your first listen of the day. We are 100% free on all those platforms. And Doug, you talk about scrapping one out against the Let's firstly, let's say it low ranking wizards. You come back against the Orlando magic, a young team, certainly some talent, but it's the kind of game. I don't want to pat myself on the back here. I said, let's be up seven, 10 points going away in the end. Brooklyn makes a joke of it all. It gets a big dub at home. Yeah, this is a great win, man. 124-104 really uh, really pulled away in the fourth quarter. Game just kind of, they stayed out there for the in-season tournament uh, plus-minus different point differential, I think, more than anything because they probably could have pulled the starters early. Withstood a barrage from uh, Orlando Magic, but, I mean, obviously, we can't really bury the lead here. This real story in this one was Spencer Dinwiddie. We said on the pregame uh, preview that he really needed to step up, that we were a little concerned about his performance and just some of the minutes and just some of the weirdness uh, around, I think, o- like overall with his stats this season. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, you know, life comes at you pretty fast in the NBA and it takes one game to kind of stop worrying about that stuff. And this was a definitive performance by Dinwiddie, uh, who finishes the game with 29 points, nine assists, five rebounds. I mean, it was super efficient. Honestly, it was one of his best games as a net. <laughs> in this game uh, like sort of point stop and it's you know for all the stuff they have going on with the team right now it's exactly what they needed yeah and you talked about it previously in a couple of these episodes where you said the numbers the you know beyond the court beyond watching these games and saying well the box score doesn't look great Spencer Dinwiddie should be one of the better players and yet whether it was the shooting performances being off whether it was just not getting big minute shares we know he had the little injury that sat him down for one game this was what brought it all back together. And you mentioned it last season, 27 games after the trade had, it was big in the assist category needed that tonight, right? No Ben Simmons again in this one, nine assists to go along with, listen, all of the, uh, the, st- the standard operating shots for Spencer Dinwiddie from beyond the arc. This guy had the bank open on a couple, had a couple of late shot clock keys, but at some point you just have to say, yeah, that's a part of, of what Spencer Dinwiddie can do. And when this dude is confident, there's not a shot that he doesn't want to take. And I actually really loved the fact that throughout this game, 10 of 18 from the floor overall got to the line six times, knocked down four of those, that this is a game where we never talk about referees, but there were a lot of, hey, you want to let him play, let him play. Spencer did what he wanted a few calls offensively, got hit with a couple of calls defensively. In the end, it all came out in the wash because he got some of the ones that really mattered late. I thought for sure he was going to get teed up in this one. He felt like he was just uh, steamrolling himself toward a technical. But then actually what saved him was he hit a couple big shots. And I think he got less annoyed, right? Like he, because he was, he was going for, he was, you can see it sometimes with him. Go ahead. 
No, there's a great one. Uh, he hits the, the uh, Suggs fouls him on the triple in the fourth quarter, right? He goes down, he's yeah. going to go to the line. He's still got a, a look on his face of a guy who's disgusted with everything that's happening. I don't know what Claxton says to him, but if you're watching the broadcast, you see Claxton's back and Dinwiddie's face, and he just all of a sudden breaks out in a huge grin, goes to the line, actually misses what could have been a four-point play. But there was something there about that where it was like, finally, someone was able to, like, to defuse him. Be like, dude, you're crushing it. Like, we're winning. We're crushing them, and you're crushing it it's okay like you can let go <laughs> and it kind of all came at the right time and the thing with Dimity, and i think it's important to remember so you mentioned some of the the uh like net rating and stuff like that for him it was all positive like going into this game i know there have been frustrations and worry but with the spencer Dimity on the court going into this game they were nets were plus 5.58 with him off they were minus 4.05 and almost equal minutes right right around 240 minutes he had the best plus minus of any starter on the team going into this game and now he's the best plus minus on the whole team after being plus 25 in this game right so it's funny about Dinwiddie you know I heard someone say this the other day and I and I'm just going to use this from now on it's that eye test is usually the best thing but stats watch every second of every game (laughs) right Mm. and like and i think that's sometimes forgotten is that yeah the eye test is important but the stats just see every single thing they have no opinions and it just spits out sort of what the final outcome of some of these things were and all the stats despite what the eye test didn't tell us and despite what even maybe some counting stats didn't tell us was that spencer dimity was having a really rough season and and that's a hard thing to sometimes get over, right? Like to like not really not be able to sort of mesh these two things together or not be able to reconcile these two kind of ideas that like what these stats tell me one thing, my eyes and basically everything I know about basketball tell me something different. Where's the truth? Well, that now it's like not to say his whole season saved or whatever, but at least this is a game that leaves no doubt, right? Like mm-hmm. we walk away from this game not having any real at least short-term questions about what he's still able to do on the court because like I said at the beginning this goes down as one of his best team games on the nets whether it was the last stint or this stint right like yeah. this is just one of his best performances and it came at a time where the nets probably desperately needed some good news about players at like it's sort of like what they were able to hit in terms of their ceiling when it comes to big games yeah, he only had one other 20-plus point performance this season going back to the second game, uh, go, returning to his former team in the Dallas Mavericks, a 19-point game against Boston. Other than that, like, you know, with the way this team is constructed and with no Cameron Johnson for, for the first handful of games here, obviously, as well, when he was putting up seven even 12 points a game, you're just and, and some of the shooting performances and the beyond-the-arc numbers, right? This is where you go, well, hold on a second. He is the elder statesman of this roster. Do we have to start to think about him just not being the same player that we pegged him to be? You want him to be able to settle back into a different role than being the lead scorer. But on games like this, you you need him. Like you need Spencer Dinwiddie to be this guy for big stretches. And, and again, did it not only scoring for himself, but also distributing, finding other players, had a couple of nice connections with Claxton, with Dayron. Like those are always fun. We like to put that in heavy air quotes. So really everything was working for him in this one. It's a great performance for him. And, and honestly, when we think about uh, obviously, our partners over at eBay Motors have teamed up with Locked On Fantasy Josh Lloyd to bring some of the best fantasy picks each and every week. Maybe Spencer Dinwiddie should be in that category. But all season long, whether you're prepping for your daily draft or scouting the waiver wire, every week we're going to be providing you with players that are guaranteed to fit on your roster. Doug, who are some of those top picks this week? 
Yeah, Josh has got some great uh, great ones lined up here, uh, courtesy of eBay Motors. The first one, I tweeted about this guy the other day, and Nets fans, uh, we kind of got a little bit of a glimpse of him uh, the other night. Was That was Bilal Kulabali for the Wizard. Went early in the draft. Was kind of hoping. I was personally kind of high on him just because I thought the Wizards would be so bad going into the year that he would see a lot of minutes. Those are starting to happen. If you're into fantasy, uh, you got to have Bilal in your lineups. 20 points, uh, 20 and 7 against the Nets. Follows it up with a 10 7 3 against Toronto. Look, minutes are king when it comes to fantasy basketball and the NBA, and Kulabali is starting to get those. Uh, Josh got a bunch of other ones too. Skylar Mays, he's been starting with the Blazers now that. Um, now, Malcolm Brogdon is uh, out of the lineup. Scoot Henderson obviously lost for a while. Again, when these guys just get opportunities when it comes to fantasy, Skylar Mays checks the box there. Jacob Gilliard, same kind of thing with Memphis. He's been getting the start at point guard uh, as they wait for John Morant, and they were kind of shuffling guys in and out. Zaire Williams is out of the mix there. So Josh got a bunch of great ones over from Locked On Fantasy, courtesy of eBay. Balakul Bali, Skylar Mays, Jacob Gilliard are just three of them. That's the kind of reliability you're looking for. Same thing with eBay Motors, 122 million parts for your number one ride or die. You can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof rack, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, the price is your burden rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. eBay Guaranteed Fit, only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items apply. Or excuse me, eligible items only. Exclusions apply. And so as we continue our post-game coverage around this, I will say we, we try to give you on our game day previews. Make sure you're checking out the podcast feed exclusively over there. I gave you in my same game parlay. I said, take Spencer Dinwiddie in the six-plus assists. Tragically, maybe we'll talk about later on, Nicholas Claxton coming up short in the rebound department, doing his best Dayron Sharp impression with four fouls in the first five minutes of game action. But we won't talk about that right now. <laughs> it was a great win, and the Brooklyn Nets are 6-5 and five on the season. And if it wasn't going to be Spencer Dinwiddie that we wanted to highlight first and foremost here, for me, it was going to be Cameron Johnson. Because he comes yeah. back after having the early season injury, and the last couple of games were not what you necessarily wanted to see for Cameron Johnson, primarily just listen, the three point shooting wasn't quite there. Now in this game, he only goes three of seven from beyond the arc. It's still a big step in the right direction. He gives you a 20 point performance, but really uh, I'll put it in the context that we often talk about Mikhail, both ends of the floor. And this was uh, maybe I think you and I were as bullish as anyone in talking about uh, Johnson being worth the contract. You know, what are you getting for him? Well, you know, he's going to rain down threes. No, he's an all around player. And, and this box score, we talk about stats is indicative of his impact on the game. Five rebounds, two assists, three steals. I thought he had a couple of nice, really nice connections with Mikhail Bridges to help him get going early in this game as well. Really nice bounce back performance for Johnson, 7-11 from the field as well. Uh, yeah, I was I was a little concerned about the minutes. He only played 11 minutes in the first half, and Bridges only played 14. I was a little like that was a little bit of a head scratcher for me because I thought Johnson did look good for that first half, and I was just wondering why they ended up going that direction. They kind of put a little bit of that to rest. At least Jacques Vaughn did by running him 18 minutes in the second half. Did a lot mm -hmm. of his damage there. Was able to space the court. You know, we saw him get to the rack a couple of times. He and Bridges combined too. They combined for seven steals. I'm throwing them together because you got to just sometimes yeah. do it. But um, no, but in terms of Johnson, I still don't think like this is where the eye test. I think he's still probably not all the way there. Maybe just from like a conditioning standpoint and a burst standpoint, which would make sense, right? Like he didn't have any preseason. He's barely played he came back in as play you know playing 30 minutes i'm not shocked like if some of those other pieces weren't totally there for him but it was a good reminder that this guy 
is an important, very important piece for the Nets. They need the spacing. They need what his switchability on defense. He's not like a lockdown defender, but he's super, super active. And this game, even with his his start wasn't slow. It was just the minutes. And I was just like worried that that maybe meant something that it didn't. But I don't I think we're going to continue to see these minutes trend up. And he was plus 21 for this game. And this is like sort of the theme of the season is that the Nets keep kind of dropping guys out of the lineup, but then other guys sort of step up. I don't think Cameron Johnson qualifies from that, like out of the nowhere stepping up category because a lot. <laughs> right. Well, because, yeah, you know what I mean? Like a lot was expected yeah. of him going into this year. So it's not like not like these guys are just like next man up status, it's, but it's a good reminder that it's good to have him back. And I think that like clear, you know, he threw one down in transition was going to the rack without any hesitation. Those are like really good signs for a guy who had spent a lot of time uh, sort of on ice. So yeah, I not fully back for me, but like trending in such a great direction. And it's just another reason you can be really bullish about the team. And listen, I agree with you too. The, the throwdown actually, I think was really nice to see, right? The, again, there's always yeah. like these markers when a guy's been hurt. Just show me the thing where you go up without fear or concern and him getting at the rim was uh, nice to see for him as well. The other thing for me is, and this is funny, because when we talk about, we just had this discussion, are the Brooklyn Nets taking too many, too many three-point attempts in this game uh, in for as a team overall? Now, they took 39 this game and they knocked down 19, almost 49%. Doug would say you can never have enough of them. But the biggest point that I was making in that last episode was all I don't want is Mikhail Bridges to be reining in 14 shots from the outside. And you need someone like Cameron Johnson to step up. You need Spencer Dinwiddie to step up in that role. And then Royce O'Neal, who, by the way, I, I think, again, he lives very comfortably in the no more than eight or nine per game, right? Ideally, somewhere between like five and six attempts per game, and he can really be locked in. So when those guys are knocking them down, that's what frees up Mikhail to stay a little bit more dialed in on the intermediate game, right? Nine to 17 from the field, three of five from beyond the arc as well. It was a nice, consistent game for him. He still had some of those clunky moments that I, I really does make me scratch my head ball handling wise, et cetera. But by and large, the volume is good as long as it's the right guys taking it. Tonight was the perfect example of like all the guys that should take threes were taking them and for the most part, making them. Yeah, they were right at their their average for three-pointers on the season. They took 39. They were taking just about 40 on the season. Uh, they were able to increase their three-point percentage because they, um, they're they shooting 40.8 uh, 40 on the season. They shot 48% tonight. Uh, look, we said this in the pre- – oh, no, we said this in yesterday's podcast, which was if you have a skill that, like, what's one thing that a lot of the guys on this team do above average? It's not – dribbling it's not ball penetration it's not running pick and roll it's not doing you know it's not really ice, even iso scoring okay i don't i don't think anyone's like a super plus on those ends on this team mm -hmm. but what's one thing that just about every guy on this team does well or above average and it's shoot threes so if that's the case if, if that's the if, that, if that's the the idea then I mean, is there a limit to how many you can shoot? Of course, right? Like you, there's diminishing returns on just like just standing behind the line, you know, throwing it backwards or whatever. But uh, but understanding that all they've they've compiled a group of guys that for their careers have for the most part been able to hit sometimes with a higher degree of difficulty hit three pointers. This is something that they should be doing. Understanding that those other pieces of their game maybe aren't going to be all the way there. And I said this about the Wizards game, right? After rewatching it. There was a there was a lot of shots that they took that were open that didn't go down. And I remember I, I think I said I can't remember which I said. I was like, oh, you play this game out a hundred times. There's seventy five of these times the Nets win by twenty, right? <laughs> like yeah, that's yeah, just they, the way they, that, they rarely lose, but they can always uh, always could have blown out the Wizards. Exactly. Well, this game we just saw that version of that. 
right? We just saw the <laughs> right. take they, a lot they, of threes. They go down. We take win a lot of threes. By going away. They go down and they win by 20. It's like literally the exact thing we said. Like this is you have to you have to have you you have to have a steady hand with this because the variance it's a high variance approach. You there will be games where they don't go down and you're going to be in games you're going to lose them bad. But based on what their personnel is, this strategy makes sense and it gives you like that warm fuzzy feeling when they actually do go down in the game. How about this for it as well? And I, and I do agree with you, right? When, when they're all going down, it feels great. And frankly, man, I really wish that they didn't have that sloppy second quarter. They put up 33 points. They are fourth in the NBA in first quarter points average in, in, coming into this game at 30.1. I was uh, mildly shocked to hear that just because even though the Nets have been scoring a ton this season, I, I always have to squint or like pinch myself and say, oh yeah, they're having a really good offensive run. But then... They are in an absolute, they were halfway through that quarter having put up five points. There was real yeah. terror seeping in there, which what was made this even more fascinating. Care of Brooklyn Nets PR. 31 fast break points tonight. That's a season high with no, and we're going to talk about on the off day, Ben Simmons and his injury update. 27 points off of turnovers, a season high. 13 steals, a season high. 19 of 39, as we say, from three point. That's second most threes and second highest three point percentage of the season as well. It's really just encouraging. This goes right back to Spencer Dinwiddie's performance. I think you put, obviously, Cameron Johnson in that category. I think you put a player like Dennis Smith Jr. into that category, who had five assists in his 19 minutes while also knocking down three of seven from the field. There, We've had this theme early in this season of the Nets have a system. They know what they want to accomplish. They have a lot of interchangeable parts. Is it getting pushed to its breaking point with the injuries? Yes, it is. But but you saw, again, the fact that they're able to set season highs in categories that you wouldn't think, even though Claxton had his foul trouble, you wouldn't think that would be the same type of model you could run with in a game like this, and yet they did. And that's a key reason. Maybe those, those bullet points, the reasons why they won, forcing turnovers and getting out on the fast break. Yeah, look, there was a it was a slog there in the second quarter, mostly because the yeah, magic went super big, super big, and then that's when they a little had four smaller. guys of six ten or higher. In, in and the then quarter God, Jonathan Isaac looks huge. Like he's like especially against that lineup, you you'd be hard pressed to believe he's a you know profiles as a small four, like a tween or three four or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, but yeah, no, they went pretty big and long, and that really gave the Nets fits. Uh, with the specific lineup they had out there again, little head scratching because like we said, how the, the Johnson and bridges minutes have been a little lower and they were running into specific problems with that, with that length, usually something the nets you are able to flip on other teams, right? Mm -hmm. Cause they're pretty long overall, but in general, like that ultimately didn't end up becoming a problem just because the nets were just able to sort of do what they do best and, and lean into the things they do. And I was actually thinking, as you were saying, I, I know we got a couple of things we want to talk about with the in-season tournament. I think one thing that kind of dawned on me as you were talking there about like the nets performance, one thing about the team this year is that they've, they've withstood, they have, a, they've had a lot of injuries, but they're incredibly deep, like across the board with their team and with a lot of interchangeable parts. And like no one on this team is so much better I mean, they are clearly, there's clearly a hierarchy in the team, right? But no one is so much better. Like the the second and third guy aren't so much better than the seventh and eighth guy on this mm -hmm. team. They are, and it's like clear who should start, but there's not this massive drop off to just sort of like nobodies really, really fast, right? And that is actually shining through in these performances. And this is why the team has actually played, like punched way above its weight is that, is that, everybody you can kind of just wait for like someone to have their game because there's talent mm -hmm. there and you're not just sitting there reliant on 
needing this one game from Mikael Bridger, needing this one performance from Cam Thomas, right? Like they have other guys who can step up. It's like a flat build like that is not what you want for, to like win the championship <laughs> because that's just not how it works. But in terms of like a regular season team, we're sort of seeing this happen in real time where it's like there's just not a massive tra- ta- talent drop off to the eighth, ninth, tenth guy on the bench. And that's paying huge dividends for the team right now. Yeah, 41 points off the bench again for this team, right? Royce O'Neal with 13, 11 from Dayron Sharp. He gave you a typical Dayron, did a lot of his damage early, but in 24 minutes gave you a double-double. Menson Dennis Smith Jr. in his facilitation and Lonnie Walker. I mean, he's been a model of consistency. He has now 11 points tonight. That makes 10 games this season so far. Didn't play in the first one. 10 games where he's had double figures for the Brooklyn Nets. So to your point, you know who's going to get the bigger minutes first. But you also know that as you need to start going a little bit deeper or as maybe Jock Vaughn, for whatever reason, wants to mitigate some minutes here for Cameron Johnson or for Mikhail Bridges, that there's not going to be this big drop off. It's why the Nets, I think, can afford to win in these margins often when it comes to a game like the Washington Wizards or tonight. Listen, Orlando Magic, talented team, but I thought the Nets should win this game. And it's because of that depth that they were able to do so. Coming up here in a second, guys. In-season tournament? Oh, baby. The Brooklyn Nets get themselves to 2-1 and one in the group stage. We're going to talk about that point differential and how they swung that back in their favor and what lies ahead for them with the next matchup coming at the end of November against Toronto. We'll talk about that here in just one moment. All right, before we get to that, tell you about our friends over at Ibotta. Look, Turkey Day coming right around the corner. How does a free Thanksgiving sound? This year, Ibotta is here to give you cash back and help make sure your Thanksgiving table is complete. Who uh, who wants turkey without the gravy? Turkey's great, but we all know the best part of Thanksgiving dinner is the sides. With Ibotta, you can make sure you get the whole family's favorite side dishes and the turkey all while getting yourself cash back. That's what you get with Ibotta. You just upload those receipts. You get cash back on your purchases starting November 1st for the fourth year in a row. Fourth year in a row Ibotta is giving 100% cash back on your Thanksgiving feast. Just add the offers in the Ibotta app. You're going to redeem everything you need to make your Thanksgiving feast complete. All you have to do is shop at your favorite retailers, upload your receipt. It's really just that easy from Ibotta. Other apps give you points that don't amount to much. With Ibotta, you get real cash back. You can cash out to your bank account, PayPal, or gift cards. That's what you like to hear. Download the Ibotta app now. Use the code LOCKED to get 100% cash back on your Thanksgiving dinner starting November 1st. Already well into this, folks. Go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app. Use the code LOCKED, L-O-C-K-E-D. That's Ibotta, I-B-O-T-T-A, in the Google Play or App Store and use the code LOCKED. All right, so as we tie a bow on the 124-104 victory for the Brooklyn Nets, it also was their third in-season tournament game, group stage play, obviously. So the reason why it matters here just is the reminder, uh, you have the three groups in each conference, and they're each going to send the winner from that group. And then you get a wild card. And the Brooklyn Nets coming out of that game against the Boston Celtics had a minus 12 point differential because remember, they were only a heave away from Chicago as time expired from maybe having that first game go a different direction. So there's a reason why when Orlando waved the white flag and they said, hey, listen, we've been beat here. It's okay for us. But from a Brooklyn perspective, they needed to pour that on, get it by 20, and then flip that that point differential back on its head. And when you look inside of this, we'll keep an eye on some of the ones that have updated here, but point differentials for second place teams in the other groups right now, Doug, plus six for the Atlanta Hawks. You also have the Milwaukee Bucks, who are second behind the Miami Heat because they've only played their first game, uh, plus five for them. So the Nets needed to find a way to keep themselves going in this one. There's a world where already Chicago and Orlando are basically saying, well, we're done. 
so we're not going to bother here. And that's probably not to go big picture. It's probably the one problem with this in-season tournament is if one team wins a couple of games and a couple of teams lose their first couple, it's okay, thanks so much. We'll go ahead and not even bother with that final game when it comes later in the month. Yeah, it's not like a perfect setup for sure, but we know for sure like now the Nets can really go after it against Toronto in that final yeah. game and probably put themselves in contention for something. Whether it's going to be enough, we're not sure, but they've so far taken care of business. I mean, I, I think none of us really kind of held that great hope that they could beat Boston. They were playing a little shorthanded up in Boston for that game also, and that one wasn't all that close. But I think that that's like sort of lives up to expectation. I, I, I'm, it's hard to be really mad about about that outcome. But the other two games, look, they've won and they should beat Toronto also, right? And so we'll see how that ends up going. I'm all for the. I, I love the part where the point differential matters. I, I, I hate blowouts. I mean, I like them like in certain scenarios because I like when your team gets blown out. But I also am like, I don't know keep shooting to the buzzer. I don't know. You only get one chance to be an NBA player. Like when the guys just right. dribbled around, I know that's team. I know that's, you know, just being a good sport or whatever. And it's part of like the unwritten rule. So I get it. But I do like that every once in a while, like people just went nuts on him. Pistons went nuts on Embiid the other day when he hit a three and they were like saying they were going to fight him. And he was like, Hey, he understands like that's, that's like a soccer background. He's like point differential matters. Like this, these, <laughs> these points matter. These points matter later. Like, sorry, I, I read the rules. Right. And so <laughs> yeah. I'm all for Sorry for knowing how to win. I, you know, what well, do I like, no, totally was it? It was like, sorry that I read the rules and you didn't. And these point, the, every point matters. So yeah, these shots at the, at the end of the, at the end of the buzzer do matter. I think, it, I, I think still think it's fun. I like the way the court looked. I, I kind of like the, the little bit of extra juice behind this. Is it a perfect system? No, but who cares? It's still, I, I think it just, it adds a little bit of extra something. And I was joking before too. This is the magic first, uh, first in-season tournament game of the year. The moment was too big for them. They were, there was too big. The bright lights, the bright lights were too bright. You got, the you bright know, lights, the, uh, the bright lights and gray court was just a little too much for the magic to uh, be able to handle uh, nets or see uh, in game uh, in, in, in season tournament veterans seasoned at this point. I want to see, and also the, the other thing too, just uh, while we're while we're sitting here on it, is the other part when we talk about you say handling handling their business against Toronto. Unlike in other groups, like the Nets can get to three and one and not win the group, they could still be behind Boston. There's a world also where maybe Boston does come up small in one of these games or whatever, maybe sneakily tries to arrest somebody. We'd be fine with that if it gets the Nets up to the top of the group. But it's going to be harder. We said this at the time when these groups were laid out. It's going to be hard. For Philadelphia, who already lost once in the group stage, so they're one and one. Atlanta's one and zero. Oh. The Pacers are leading at two and zero. Oh. I don't know if a second place team is going to get to three, you know, three wins. Milwaukee would be the one other team, so you have to hope that Milwaukee comes up small and you end up with a two and two record for them. If that happens, the Nets can outright get it just by having three wins if they take care of Toronto before you worry about getting to that point differential, which is going to be interesting. Like you may see, to your point, tonight it didn't have quite the full throttle but there's a world where the nets are up against toronto in that final game and i, I mean they're really going for it you think you think we like to chuck some up he may be trying to yeah from the logo if that's what it takes right to try to get yourself over that hump so i i know that i've been championing this all off season i just don't there's not a reason to not enjoy this you don't have to yeah that's no, fun you know you don't have to be against it whatever just hey Enjoy the moment. The Nets get the win, and it just means that they've got something to play for here. And, th and this will be really fun for them to take care of Toronto potentially and get out of this group stage. That means a lot for a team that we don't think is going Eastern Conference Finals this year. Well, I thought too that like there would be some extra incentive for some of these teams. Like no one on the Nets team, well, no one on the Nets team really has massive contracts either. I mean, like the money's not immaterial. I don't. Again, I don't. They're not favorites to win at all and grab the money. But I did wonder about the motivation for some of these teams 
like how many guys on the bench where like the 500,000 would be a real, real huge sum of money. Right. I mean, it's a huge sum of money for anybody, but um, it's a little different for like the LeBrons of the world than it is for, but even LeBron mentioned it the other day in one of his interviews about like winning it and grabbing, grabbing some of the money too. So like, I do think there is extra motivation. I do think like what you said, there is a flaw in the system here with teams sort of like being softly eliminated already from it and yeah, like yeah. wondering about what the motivations are but hopefully yeah, let's maybe we'll get a little spoiler action with some of these teams too i think that's like not out of the realm of possibility either and that's the great balance of this too though is because it's still a regular season game so okay you're out of the tournament but the next time you see somebody it's still a friday night or a tuesday night and you'd like to win i mean that that's you know you still need to win games if you're orlando you're still trying to be competitive um just to crystallize it too lonnie walker makes 2.3 million this year you think an extra 500,000, you know, bumping yourself up against that oh, three yeah. mil threshold wouldn't make a difference? Of course it would. So really exciting about that. We can just do as we always will with the live coming up here. Doug will remind everybody about that. But we're going to have on the off day uh, updating the Ben Simmons injury, obviously, yeah, yeah. Um, and just taking a look at the Cam Thomas timeline. And <laughs> every for every good thing that the Nets have done on the court, these injuries, man, are going really? to, I think, wear me down even before Thanksgiving where I just – I'm going to give up. I'm going to give up on the idea that this team can be 100% healthy any of the time. Yeah, it's been a brutal run. It's been brutal. And the Simmons thing, we'll talk about it tomorrow and like what we're able to sort of piece together from it. I'm not sure all the information is amazing on this right now, but uh, regardless, we'll talk more Ben Simmons obviously tomorrow and there was a little there was some cam thomas update too about his ankle also so we'll go we'll give the injury updates on both of those tomorrow in the meantime a couple things you can go out there and do to help the podcast one if you're over in youtube stick around we'll do a live youtube which we're only doing uh only on the youtube channel and the podcast feed shuts off now so if you're listening on the podcast feed just know there's extra stuff that's happening on youtube conversely if you're over on youtube you got there's the only way that you're going to be able to hear the pre uh, pregame previews that we're doing before games is over on the podcast feed, which we had one go up today. And, and you know, I hate to bury the lead here, but everything we said on that one was correct. So go in and listen to the uh, pregame previews over the podcast. Finally, join subtext.com slash locked on nets was on subtext all day today with Ben uh, Simmons updates uh, with the different news that was coming out there, uh, pregame stuff that was going on. Game thoughts. It's all happening on joinsubtext.com. Free trial. Joinsubtext.com slash locked on nets. When I was your age, television was called books. That's Peter Falk, aka Grandpa from Princess Bride. Ah, one of the all-time great poets. We'll be back tomorrow on the podcast and in a moment on YouTube talking more Brooklyn Nets basketball.